1: Hola, mi gente. Welcome to Hello Latino. I am so happy, so excited to have this mujeron on the platform and excited for y'all to hear from the one and only Eliana Murillo. Eliana previously spent 10 years at Google, where she founded the Multicultural Marketing Team and co-founded Hola, the Latino Employee Resource Group. She's also the founder and CEO of Element and Company, an innovation lab, production studio, and consulting firm. Their mission is to engage and support diverse audiences, small businesses, and startups. While in Silicon Valley, she co-founded the Latinos in Tech Giving Circle with leaders across the tech industry to drive philanthropic efforts for and by the community. She's also the co-founder of her family's organic tequila alquimia, a socially conscious and award-winning product that is eco-friendly and sustainable. Outside of her professional work, she founded the Latinas Who Branch Community, which is an international network of badass Latinas who lift each other up. This girl is a powerhouse in our community and honored to have shared this space with her. Disfruten esta tequilita, alquimia, and chisme. Un abrazo a todos.
0: I love it. No, I love it because I think that people think I'm, as a marketer, you always want to say the right things, right? But I'm like, when the camera's on yeah. or off recording or not, I'll stand by it, same things. It's like, uh, so much of it is like changing people's perception about a product that is part of our culture. It's part of our heritage of like, truly it is the only, it's the only spirit you can only make in Mexico. Meaning like it's, or I should say the reverse, the only place you can make it in the world is from Mexico. So, Mm-hmm. when you have a good tequila, I'm so excited for people to try it. And then it's just like all the other tequilas, just give it a bad
1: name, you know? And that's yeah. what people often Honestly, know more. Honestly, highly, highly recommend. I'm going to take it. I have a girl's trip this weekend, a little staycation. I'm going to take it.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I've had a few people, now that people are getting creative in a pandemic, like reimagining what does fun look like? I had a friend go to, um, I think, Big Bear for, she told me she went with her friend with her family for New Year's. And so she she grabbed a bottle, took it with her. And she's like, well, I'm not driving anywhere. And it was her and her husband and her kids. And she had the best New
1: Year's. (laughs) I'm super excited to have you to finally have this conversation with you after so many people, Catalina, Chris, they were just talking so highly of you. And Uh like, you know, I've been following you since and I was just just blown away by you and blown away by all you've done for not just La Cultura, you know, oh making a tequila God. brand and doing Latinas Who Brunch, but just you as a human being, just Ay, being creative, entrepreneur, gassing you up over here, like I know, <laughs> all the don't things. Stop, don't stop. Uh, yeah, you're like, keep going. <laughs> um, but I want to start with the first question, and that is, how do you identify and tell us why? Mm, so I would imagine that answer can go
0: in a lot of different ways for most people. I identify as a proud Latina, Mexico-Americana from California. So my parents are from Mexico, my my family's from Mexico. So my dad's side's from Jalisco, Mexico, and my mom's side originally is from Chihuahua. So Juarez, Northern Mexico, and they they both their families came to the US, came to California. So I grew up in Ventura County. I'm here now, I'm born and raised in Oxnard. I'm in Ventura right now, but I'm, I'm from Oxnard from the 805. And so that is a big part of my identity. And like I said, I think some people could answer just from like a cultural or ethnic perspective, but you know, how to also identify um, as a woman, as an entrepreneur, there's so many things. But everything else in my life is so interwoven with the cultural side of what I do or who I am. And then it relates to what I do, so.
1: yeah. and let's let's talk about that because the the interesting piece about what I try to do in these conversations in this podcast is really paint the picture of you know, I see you and I see your successes and your accomplishments. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's amazing. And also putting a story behind who you are, though, makes you just a complete package. Just like, oh my God, like I can see myself in her story or people listening can see themselves in your story. And I think that's the beautiful piece is kind of opening up about who you are. So let's start from the very beginning from your parents coming to the United States. Do you know a little bit about their immigration story?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I do. And there's gaps that we all haven't figured out yet. So the easiest one is my dad, well, sort of, it's so funny. They tell you a story. And then as you get older, you're like, oh, wait, what? what who was born where and what? So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the e- well, actually, no, the, the easiest one I know, actually, I'll start with my mom's now that I think of it, is um, my mom was born in El Paso in Texas. Um, shout out to everyone in Texas who's going through a lot this year. Um, I have friends and family there, um, and my mom's immediate family though, they, they're they from that area, but um, she moved here when she was two to California. But the funny thing about her story, so she was born in the US technically, and I say technically because my mom's side is super into the culture, like super musical, super Catholic, like all the Mexican-American traditions are like very much, like the cultural resonance I had growing up was mostly from my mom's side. My dad's side, it's a little bit more nuanced, I got to know it more as I got older, and love it now as, as well and even more than I did growing up but so yeah so my mom's side um they came to the U- to also okay I'll take it back a step my mom's grandparents were both born in in the United States and we think it's because of the bracero program and that's what I mean by like there's gaps we haven't confirmed this but we're pretty sure that my abuelito and abuelita's parents were brought here to work so Technically, my abuelita, who does not speak English, was born in LA, in East LA. And my abuelito, so my abuelita uh, Abuelita Lupe was born in LA. Abuelito Lorenzo, Lorenzo Moraza was born in Colorado. So when I saw my mom's birth certificate recently, it was really, really surprising to me to see that both parents were listed as Americans. I was like, wait, what? Like that's, we don't identify that way. Like my grandma doesn't speak English. My abuelito really didn't either. He passed away when I was little. And so anyway, so they were, their families went back to Juarez. So they met there and had the family there, but because they were both American citizens, my mom is one of nine kids. And whenever they were going to have the first seven, they'd have them in El Paso, like better hospitals and things like that. So, you know, people talk a lot about anchor babies and stuff, but, you know, that's not really rhetoric I think we should encourage, but it helped me understand like, oh, that makes sense. If they're American citizens, why wouldn't they make sure their kids were too? And, and back then more than now, Juarez and El Paso, it was neighboring cities. You could cross back and forth. It didn't feel like they jumped the border or something. It wasn't like that at all. It was just across the street and they're citizens so they could come and have children here and and make sure they were born safely and everything. So then because my mom's, my mom's sort of in the middle of the nine, so her older siblings were already in their teens when they came to the U.S. So my mom was two, so her whole life was here already. Um, And she's very much identifies as like a Chicana Mexican-American. So I'm i'm sort of like second gen on my mom's side but technically third because my grandparents were born here but it's just sort of like when you talk about first gen, second gen immigrant like it's it's nuanced when people moved here or moved back around and language and then education so my mom and her siblings were of course the first in their families to go to school here and then go to college so that's my mom's side um but like i said from northern mexico um and very very proud to be from mexico and like that's super important in my family's story and and day-to-day culture even if even if you know now we're like kind of english dominant and live in california and stuff like that um and i i really identify in being the daughter of two first gen parents because i have so many friends who are first gen i just i'm always around people that are first gen and i it feels so familiar to me it feels like i i just like respect that experience so much because i saw what my parents had to do to like make it in america you know um, and having immigrant parents who couldn't navigate the system, did not have English skills or systemic, um, systemic sense, uh, you know context, I guess. Anyway, so then my dad's side is from Jalisco, and he was born in this tiny little rancho that we call Agua Negra. It's outside of the nearest town, it's called Arandas, but it's also very small. And so it's two hours from Guadalajara, more or less. And that's where we grow the agave that we now uh, use to produce our tequila. And so when he was four Ooh, years old, out. yeah, mm-hmm. shout out to. I have a bottle here just by coincidence, Tequila Alquimia. alquimia is, <laughs> I will talk about it, I'm sure, but alquimias, alchemy in Spanish. And part of actually my dad's story is reflected in that. So we love the book, The Alchemist. And in that book, uh, it's about oh a Oh my God, God, same. I was just talking about it.
1: this. I, it's I it, book. It changed my life. It changed my life.
0: I'm like. S- That to me says so much about who you are as a person because I think often people read it and they're not quite ready for it. So sometimes people are like, I don't get it. And I'm like, you weren't ready. So
1: you were ready for it. I needed it. it. I needed it. I read it like two times after because Ah. it was like, I needed it. I need it again. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I read it like every two or three years and- I honestly, I feel like you need to read it when you're in transition in your life. Like, yeah,
0: I think it's sort of like a mirror. Like it's I feel like every time I read it, I Mm -hmm. capture something different. It's like, obviously, the words aren't changing, but we're changing. So the things we notice, it's like, oh, my God, this spoke to me. Well, so Mm -hmm. you know, the story. So as you know, in the story, this boy goes on this journey, his epic journey. He leaves home thinking, why am I going to stay here? This isn't for me. Wants to go on this epic adventure, ends up coming back home and really appreciating home differently, I think, with a different set of eyes. So that's my dad's story. You know, he left the rancho. He came to the US, went to college here. I mean, this whole life since he was four years old, um, became an optometrist. In fact, I just had an eye exam today. Thank God he was able to see me. My emergency eye exam, (laughs)
1: everything's fine. But um, no pun intended. He was able to see you.
0: Oh, I, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, you can make vision jokes all day with my dad being an optometrist. And, oh my god. So, so you know, many, many years later he ended up going back and finding a way to contribute locally to the community, doing something that's really meaningful to us, being able to create jobs and so forth. So, so yeah, so for my dad's side though, he's so my, I said my mom has eight siblings. My mom, my dad has 3 And I have three cousins on my dad's entire side. I have like 20 something cousins on my mom's side. Huge family, (laughs) always super fun, super loud when we can gather. And my dad's side, I mean, we all, growing up, we'd all fit at one table at Olive Garden all of us for birthday dinners or whatever. And growing up, that was like <laughs> highlight. I loved Olive Garden and unlimited breadsticks
1: and stuff like that. Girl, oh my God. <laughs> you and I are the same because that was my childhood. You know, if we wanted to eat fancy. We would go to Olive Garden. Yes. You're like, oh my God, I can celebrate. Let's go to Olive yes. Garden. It's <laughs> ensalada. Like they don't stop bringing it. My mom did, Yes. Ensalada, yes. We'll yes. Take another yes. bowl. Yes. So ensalada, that's all I would eat too. Like yeah. I get so full. Like I, I, I wouldn't even eat my meal.
0: I don't even like right now I'm <laughs> craving it now. Like, oh my God. Yeah. So, you know, I got to college and people would made fun of Olive Garden. I was like, wait, I don't I don't get the joke. That's nice. Like yeah. it's a good restaurant. So anyway, it's so funny. So my dad's side, much more mellow, much more quiet, um, more reserved. And so my cultural experience growing up was from my mom's side. Like I said, music, dancing, and the food and all this stuff. And my my dad likes to read and listens to jazz and reads, like a lot of my friends who are white, like their parents dynamic you know kind of more mellow more chill and much more like academic my dad just a nerd who grew up and is still a nerd and he knows (laughs) i I love it and i think it's awesome and so his side like i said was much more quiet but then i didn't grow up going to mexico a ton um i mean we went every couple years um more than a lot of my cousins were able to do. So I I felt that connection in a little in a different way. But as I got older, um, we started going more often because of the tequila, uh, having a reason to go back more often. And then once I started traveling on my own, then I would go see my it's really my dad's cousins in Mexico. So my dad has a Mm tia, tia Sara, who has 15 children, all separate births, like no twins, no triplets. And they're awesome. And so I've gotten really close to a few of them. My tío Alex is an artist. So I go and paint with him in a studio. And so I love it so yeah so we're from jalisco on my dad's side and once we started going more then i learned about my dad's side which is way more into mariachi and banda and all the the often (laughs) almost like stereotypical mexican culture because my mom's side adopted musica from veracruz for some reason my abuelito loved it so they learned like there's literally a harp next to me i'd I'd pull it over if it wasn't distracting but my mom's brother builds harps and like my whole family plays musica The, the the genre is called son Jarocho, a A song is called the Son Jarocho. And so not so much mariachi growing up. It was like, there's so much variety of Mexico. Like there's so many different regions and the music's super different in each one. So I grew up not so much around mariachi and stuff like that and really didn't grow up with banda because my mom's siblings grew up listening to like old school funk and disco. So it was like very much Mexican American upbringing in that way. And then I go to Mexico for our first like harvest party growing up for the agave. getting to know more of my dad's side. Because I mean, we went when I was younger, I just was too little to really understand what was happening and like, oh, there's different types of Mexican experiences. My dad's side's totally different than my mom's. The music is really different. So they taught me how to dance to it. To, like, I felt like I was immersed at about 13 years old into this second culture I didn't realize I had as part of who I am. And now i love it oh my god like i love old school banda like i don't know who if anyone listening knows like banda machos banda recodo. like i'm not as hip with the new stuff like banda ese and stuff like that but the old so oh my god like La Chona is my jam so anyway long story <laughs> long i'm mexican-american with two you know a nuanced immigration story of family and two very distinct mexican cultures that i love i love both so much and so when people say like first of all people tell me all the time like you don't look mexican and i'm like there's no one way to like, there's no one way to look (laughs) like a Latina, first of all. And even within I'm like, my dad looks almost Middle Eastern, like dark hair, dark, I look like 95% like my dad, dark eyebrows. My mom has like light green eyes, um, more fair skin, just like there's a range of what we can look like. And so anyway, Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that I learned to embrace a lot more as I got older, which is that like, the diversity within our own country of origin, and how the music, the food, everything can be so different, and and I know there's a lot of like I have friends who are have parents from two different countries, and growing up, I thought that's what I thought I was mixed, to be honest. Um, and I could when really? I, yeah, I mean, I don't talk about it often because I feel like people take it out of context. But when I have, when I would talk to my friends who actually are mixed of two different cultures or different backgrounds their experience resonated so much for me and i was like do you act different with one side versus another or do you have different foods different everything mm. and, and they, the way they described it i was like i know what you're saying but i i knew I was like well but they say we're just mexican i don't get it like it's it's the same dynamic <laughs> of like two totally different cultures um of yeah. course they do speak the same language but they speak a little differently like even just the regional accents are a little different so anyway it's just something that i'm enjoying i've always enjoyed it growing up Part of being immersed in culture, but now being able to like understand what makes it so rich and how it's not, it's not a one size fits all. It's not a cookie cutter experience,
1: you know? Yeah. Oh my God. So much that you said, I want to like pick apart and like yeah. dissect yeah, it. and I'm it Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh. I think the, the part that I, there's two things. One, I think it's really important to talk about that Mexican American experience because Especially in Tejas, you know, Tejano, like that's a big culture there. Or you oh, know, my yeah. sister-in-law is from Texas, a Mexican American from Texas. She talks, she talks about being a proud Tejana. She's like, yeah. I'm, she's like, I'm Tejana, and like she's all about the food. She makes it. She's like super cultured in that aspect. Mm-hmm. And then even in San Diego, I'm, I'm from San Diego. Was born and raised here. The Mexican American experience is huge here, and yeah. it's like what I was surrounded by growing up. And I just think it's important to highlight, you know, like you were saying, your your nuanced immigration story from your parents' mm-hmm. side, like, of course, it's nuanced because they live right by the border. And yeah. that experience for them is so different. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> it's not just like an island separate, you know, like just out here in the Caribbean and just, mm-hmm. you know, you go to New York or whatever the case may be. Like, no, we really share a border. So yeah. it's just an interesting experience that that you mentioned that I think is worth worth, you know, people knowing about. Yeah. And you also mentioned Anchor Babies, which is... <laughs> girl no when I learned what anger babies what like what the whole term was I was like oh my god like people are really like rude about this yes.
0: <laughs> I, that's why I was like I was mindful of how to say it because sometimes taken out of context yeah. people say it. it's a, it's not said as a it's not said as a positive and that's not technically what it was because my grandparents were American citizens but because of sort of fate like they didn't choose where they were born either you know and I think it's almost right. the reverse like I mean, shout out to dreamers. Dreamers aren't don't choose where they're born and where they move to. My grandparents by luck, sort of, and who knows if it was lucky because my my great grandparents were working. That's why this happened. But they happened to be born here, so you know the trajectories are so nuanced. And to the point of like being from Texas, like I mean, I tweeted recently some what I think are like indisputable facts that people seem to have a hard time accepting. It's like California. Texas, all the way parts up to parts of like Oklahoma and Wyoming were part of Mexico mm-hmm. once upon a time. And people refused to accept that. So anyway, I like to talk about it because I think, you know, I, I'm in my view, you know, where you're born doesn't make you any better, obviously. I mean, obvious to me, not to everyone, as we know, it's not right. the same for everyone. But, but, um, you know, I, I understand there's, there's a clear privilege in having had parents that were or my mom and grandparents that were born here, but like, they didn't live here their whole lives. They went back and forth. And so, You know, now I'm the mashup Mm -hmm. of what they experienced. And the other thing that I've been thinking about more recently, I realized it in college was that because my parents are first gen, even though their stories are a little different, um, I'm the average of second now. You know, a lot of my friends, like I said, are first gen. And I often think about how I'm what their kids will be like. You know, like my parents Mm -hmm. did go to school here, went to college here. So they were able to um, help me with things, understand things in a different way than they did growing up. And to be honest, I had friends, I mean, not I had haters who who really resented a lot of things that weren't my choice, that like, you know, they, they basically said, why is she trying to be a part of a community she can't relate to? Because she didn't go through it like we did. And that was really hard for me because I just I didn't understand. I was like, wow. is it because I don't, they're like, do you even speak Spanish? And I was like, see, like, do you, you know, they almost test me. And like, I think the conversation comes up a lot about like, are you Latina, Latino enough? And what does that even mean? You know, and who's measuring that? And when people would, you know, compare their stories to mine, or, or often they, they didn't often know the whole story, but it was often seen as almost like a negative. It was held against me being second gen. And I'm not trying to be like, oh my God, pity me. It's not that as much as me thinking, I hope this can be seen as a positive. Like, I hope we have kids that are second gen, third gen, fourth gen that still care about community, that still want to connect, that, that are proud of their culture, you know?
1: Girl, yeah, that's what that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, if anything, this conversation with you, I totally had this perception that you were a first generation, which (laughs) is always a beautiful surprise where it's like, that's why I love starting this with how do you identify because you learn about the person, right? Based on how they identify. But you being a second generation, I was just thinking when you mentioned that, I'm like, oh, my God, I hope my child is like just as successful, but also the same thing that you were saying, like as cultured, because that's always that's always a big fear of, yeah, oh my God, are my kids going to love being Hondureños? Like, are they going to love the food? They're going to eat platano and yuca. Are they going to like, yeah. you know, do all these things? And then mm-hmm. I realized, I'm like, okay, I have control over this. I can show Absolutely. them the culture and really be that culture ambassador, right? Yes. Like, I'm a proud mm-hmm. Hondureña and this is, mm-hmm. you are too. Like, yeah. <laughs> let me show you. Absolutely. But no, I, I love that. I think I part it. of it
0: too, when he said like, you, you know, you have influence on this, you have control. It takes effort. And in fact, you're going to hear my dad walking through the door. So he'll hear he'll get to hear me. Hi, puppy. So I get, <laughs> hi, puppy, I'm, I'm being interviewed on a podcast. And Odalis Hasmin says, hola. My sister's middle name is helping <laughs> too. That's why I said it. Oh, cute. So cute. Yeah, I mean, I think my parents were really intentional in raising us. And one part that is very clear, it took actual effort. One thing is the food you cook at home. Of course, you know, you're going to it's going to be familiar. If you like the food, they're going to eat the food. but. We live in the U.S., right? We live in an English-dominant world. So any language in Spanish is because you you are making an effort to expose them to it. So like the music, conversations, mm-hmm. TV or media, whatever. But um, my mom's a high school Spanish teacher for non-native speakers, so people who don't speak Spanish at all and aren't of the background, and for native speakers some years, depending on the year. So she's taught native speakers and even AP classes and so forth. So people that grew up with it but are different levels of familiarity. Like there's some people who... Have heard it their whole lives but can't read or write it or maybe don't feel comfortable speaking it or people who you know and then more and more and more familiar and so growing up my parents well first of all my my first language is spanish although now i'm more english dominant but i definitely spoke spanish first uh first and foremost but they didn't let me speak to them in english till i was 13 years old like no english in the house at all
1: that's how i'm gonna be with my kids i already know and it's hard (laughs) and they're gonna not be happy about it i I, when i was 13
0: Mm -hmm. i realized i was like I'm tired. I was like, I was a 13 year old right. I'm tired. I was like, I see my friends <laughs> not switching languages for their parents, so why do I have to do this? I felt like extra yeah. work. But one of the things my dad said, and I love that he can hear me is, when I would complain about like, why do you make me do this? Not only only speaking in Spanish at home, but also my mom ha- got her more advanced students that are native speakers, like the ones that are like reading um, Garcia Marquez, and like, you know, the ones that are like really, really, not just can speak it, but can read and write it. She had them tutor us. So I had a, you know, Spanish tutor time I guess after school and I didn't think I didn't know anything otherwise. I didn't know that that wasn't common, but um, I would complain, you know, I didn't love it and my my dad said he's like Mihai if you can speak two languages you can speak to twice as many people. Now that's not actual math, right? It's not double necessarily. I don't know, you know, population com- comparisons and so forth, but but it got me excited thinking as a little kid I've always been an extrovert and I love talking to people and so the idea that I could talk mm-hmm. to twice as many people I was like Okay, fine. And and I was like, (laughs) all right, I'm with it. And there was a point in my career where I had opportunities because I'm bilingual and my executive at the time, my executive sponsor, she said, I hope you've thanked your parents for making sure that you speak Spanish because this wouldn't have been possible otherwise. And I'm like, it was a choice, you know, there in my family, in terms of me and my cousins and, and everybody, there's a full spectrum of how many of us speak Spanish or not, if we're immersed in culture or not, because it depends on the choices the parents made. So I mm-hmm. commend you and encourage you to absolutely, if that's something that means something to you, yes, like definitely do whatever it takes to yeah. make sure that they, uh, they can understand or stay engaged and feel connected. I think that speaking Spanish doesn't define if you're a Latina or Latino. Like I said, like, what is
1: being mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I was like, you know, doesn't. <laughs> let's I, talk about this Latina enough, ooh. Latino enough.
0: No, I, <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to a cousin of mine who doesn't speak Spanish, understands a lot of it, but he can sing in Spanish so beautifully and he feels it. And he's like, I don't know what I'm singing, but I feel it. And it's just like, it's beyond words. Oh my God. That's it's been, beautiful. I mean, he's playing the harp. Oh, it, it's it's amazing. And when we realized he could sing, we were like, how is he doing that? Like, it sounds perfect. It sounds like he's a real, you know, Mexican singer in Spanish. And then he stops and starts talking in English. And it's, it's incredible. And so I think, you know, he and I have the same Mexican level of parents. And, you know, we, we speak different levels of Spanish, but that doesn't mean we can't connect in the community. You know, we, we don't make him feel less than, I hope he knows we try to include him always, but I see that, that range. And I think, you know, all of it's beautiful and, I can't play or sing Mm -hmm. music. And he has that as a way to connect to the culture in the way that I can't. So, so anyway, I think that if anyone listening feels not Latina, Latino enough for not speaking Spanish, like that's not what it's, that's not what it's about, but it's a part of the culture, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm grateful for it. It
1: is a part of the culture. It's, there's so many beautiful parts to the culture. And I think that's, what I'm really trying to highlight with every story with every person who's on here is like latinidad looks so different it's not a one story it's not a one face and like I think for a long time we were so used to consuming one narrative through the media right like this is what it means to be latino or latina Mm -hmm. and the more you're exposed to these different nuances in the culture you're like beautiful like it's so beautiful and it makes me if anything more proud to be a latina because I'm like yes like look at us like mm-hmm. we're out here yes. we're like coming from these different backgrounds doing amazing things in, in different industries and it's just it's beautiful it's all beautiful whether you speak spanish or not whether you were yeah. super exposed to your culture's music or your mm-hmm. food or whatever the case may be like you are latina latino yes. it's in your blood and no one can take that away from you
0: yeah owning you that, know knowing what? no one no one can size you up and as someone who had people try to tell me i wasn't enough i was like I just didn't register for me. I was annoyed by it. I thought it was unfair, but I was like, come talk to my abuelitas. Like I know how to make tortillas <laughs> a mano because they taught me how, do you know what I mean? Like if you want me to flex, I'm kidding, but there's an episode in Handified yeah. where they're almost like t- testing, I think his name is uh, Chris on the show, testing his his Mexicanness, his Latinidad as a Mexican. And he ultimately kind of failed the test, but I saw that and I was like, oh my God, how often do people feel like they have to like measure up to being Latina mm-hmm. or Latina. I just, it doesn't make any sense. I think if you feel it, and, yeah. and in fact, we had a conversation with some friends as a group I started where we were talking about, um, well, the topic came up about being the phrase, ni de aquí, ni de allá, right? So you're not, often it's like, you are not. Know, it's like Selena says, right? You have to be twice as American as Americans, twice as Mexican as a Mexican, mm-hmm. or you're not enough for either. That moment, I think in that movie.
1: Mm, I'm not Mexican, but I felt that. I was like, just right? in my Latinidad, like, yes. I felt that. Right, I'm like just having to. Pr- it's exhausting, like you said. Thirteen, you retired, girl. I oh, yeah. get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think every I Latino, mean- every little Latino just knows. They're just like mm-hmm. any any bicultural. Oh, I think my anybody who is son, son, daughter, yeah. immigrant culture. I think anybody that's trying to navigate two different beautifully strong identities. Mm-hmm. Also, American identity is so interesting and complex, right. and so is Latinidad. Yes. So it's just like mm-hmm. these two very complex identities, and like how do you fit into both?
0: And I think it's like incredible that we can navigate two complex identities. Knowing, I'm sure, if you go back to Honduras, if I go to Mexico, they know we're the Americans. Casinos, nos gringas, like, and I'm like, do you, do you know what a gringa is? Because they do not think I'm one of them. <laughs> so. Like we know and they make sure we know we're not either. So I think it's interesting about it. So in this conversation we had people were getting kind of down about it, you know, just feeling like we're not enough and we're not, you know, if we go there, we're not Latin enough. If we're here not, we're not white, so we're not white enough. I mean, racially, maybe some are, but, you know, you know what I mean, right? American enough. And it was it was taking a sad turn. And I, I said, you know, I think this is why we gather, though. This is why we connect, because this group of people that is bicultural, some bilingual, but emphasis on bicultural. I said, because no matter how you define Latinidad and if it's language, if it's um, country of origin, where you're born, if you're if you're an immigrant for a recent arrival or you're fifth generation Texan, whatever it is, it's like, I know that we all are going to have some kind of reaction when we hear suavemente playing. I know that the smell Thanks. of food frying is going to remind you of your mama, Abuela Tia's house, like fried food. I just smell it. I'm like, oh my god, or like beans cooking in the house. If it's black beans, mm. pinto beans, it's a sensory experience where it's like, if it's the music, if it's the smells, the flavors, obviously. Um, there's just some, or like even things like we talk about, like these we call them San Marcos blankets, these cobijas. Like there's just some certain I mean, things yeah. that like our, our culture. I don't know the blankets, like even even the text, uh, the the textile component to mm. it, something like that. It doesn't matter if you speak Spanish, you can hear suavemente and someone's going to start to shimmy. Something's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And even if you don't, <laughs> your, body. it, so your body's going to have a reaction. And anyway, so we were just laughing about how these things are practically universal, you know, in our own culture. And of course, there's variety. Like I might think of some fried tacos. My friend might think of a fried plantain, you know, but the, either way, these and not that, the, not that I'm saying we should all be eating fried foods but, you know, it's part of the culture and or, or you know, rice and beans and it's um, if it's congri or it's our Mexican rice and beans, it's just it's that's what tastes like culture, you know, and I think that to the point of next generations, it's like that takes effort, you know. And in fact, for example, I just I just perfected my recipe for Mexican rice and beans like the the red rice, Mexican rice and beans if the frijoles de la olla in an instant pot. Cause I'm like, ain't hey, nobody got time Ooh. to cook beans for three hours. Like my I bless her heart. Both oh, like everything. like together, you're saying? No, so I mean, like them separately. But but point being, like oh. they. Well, the most important thing for me, which is what my dad said, he's like, Mija, it tastes like they're made, right? Like normally, like on the, in the on the stove, because I had tried it before and it just tasted like mm, close, like it looks like rice and beans. It didn't quite taste like oh. the la olla, like authentic. And he's like, mia it tastes like you made it like on the stove. Like it tastes it tastes real. And I was like, Oh my god, okay, big flex. I know, I mean, you gotta keep it authentic. Look, <laughs> like, it's not a flex of facts. And and he said, Um, he's like, You're taking our culture into the future. And I was like, and I tweeted about it, and a friend said, Is that the food of the is that the food of come on hang on? Is that the future of culture or is that the culture of the future? And I was like, I don't even know what that means but that's big Whoa. do you know like <laughs> like imagine like if we're shaping culture in the future
1: like, that's going to be the podcast name there's going to be the episode name <laughs> oh i love it we'll talk more about food then but i thought about it and
0: i was like <laughs> it's so true because it's like the culture of the future i hope we we play a role in shaping that we know we do i mean the number of tons of avocados that are bought every year for the Super Bowl is insane. Like literally insane, or the, the fact that more salsa is bought every year than ketchup, right? So we know we're shaping American culture and that's all US us facts. But um, but then also like, what is the future of our culture? Like we have to carry it forward, you know? And so, like I said, like I don't eat, I don't make beans very often because I don't have three hours to hope they like, it takes so long and then you don't want to burn them. Like I always, I mean, I'll never forget my mom. Girl, burn those beans frijoles. in the house. It's so yeah. worse. Like, los frijoles. And like almost oh like my screaming through the house. Someone turn it off or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, so I was with Being
1: with this. my parents now, it's so funny because my mom's always texting me, apaga los frijoles. Apaga los frijoles. Yes.
0: And it's like it takes three hours or whatever. And then it's and then it's like life and death. Like it's about to die. I mean, it's about to burn or the house <laughs> might burn down. It's so crazy. And so I was like, I was like, Bobby, I was in between meetings and I made authentic Mexican beans. Like, that's crazy. And I was, I just, it was just a moment for me to think like as a Latina, who's a professional formerly in a tech company, now as an entrepreneur or whatever, like we're doing our thing and making beans isn't part of my day to day reality. Do I love them? Absolutely. Do I have time to make them? No. And the fact that I could nail down the recipe to have them taste right in an instant pot. And it took, it takes 45 minutes. Uh, 30 minutes cooking, 15, I let them sit, and I tweeted about it, and so many people were like, basically said, mandame la receta, please pass on the recipe, because, and I know they're one friend's a doctor, one friend's in media, like, we don't get to enjoy these things, because, you know, many of our, of the people who cooked these meals for us in the past, often they had a lot of time, if they were stay-at-home moms, or, or just, or superwomen, I don't know how, my mom worked, and made this food, That's I don't know how they did too. it. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, you know, I I think about this and I, it's I talk about how beautifully complex it is to be a Latina woman specifically, and I'm not trying to play gender roles, you know, nothing like okay. that. But in my family, I grew up. L- you know if you cook a meal what do they say yeah mm-hmm. and that was what i like heard growing up and i was you know always cleaning i was there's literally baby pictures of me cleaning like i was oh like god. three years old oh my god i was out here working okay oh my god. <laughs> like no three. wonder you were tired at 13 by, by three you were tired No, so we're all tired by four by four i was just like you know what like I'm a year tired. of this
0: <laughs> you're like i've had enough
1: no, but I just the complexities of being a Latina woman because I think there's so growing up, you know, I always heard these things like, a mm-hmm. te puedes casar, estoy el otro, you know, there was always this kind of sense of pressure. I get tener bebés, y esto otro, I que ser mamá, esposa, y el novio. servir, y el novio, right? And, and it's always it. centered around get married and have babies and be a stay at home mom, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's what I kind of grew up thinking. And when I went to college, like my parents super supportive. I love them to death. And they were always so like, they brag about me. They don't know what I do, but they like brag about me going to college and love working and, and you know, all of it. Mm-hmm. But there's this sense of pressure within that I don't really talk about often because I never want to come off week. That's a whole other topic. But <laughs> there's this like sense of pressure of, I want to cook all the meals because I genuinely love the kitchen, right? Like it reminds me of my mom yeah but like you said i don't have time for it all the time so sometimes i just eat a really basic meal that's healthy oh that i can just like sauteed like vegetable.
0: vegetables <laughs> yeah. and chicken like how many sauteed vegetables can we eat
1: so many it's so boring though sometimes so i'm just boring. like all i want to eat is like rice and beans mm-hmm. con yuca y oh and my god I just call it amazing, amazing. like it's amazing <laughs> call it yeah. i don't know if you know, what know. Are. tell me it's literally the most simple meal it's handmade flour tortilla and inside you can put beans with queso y, oh you know, God. mantequilla, or you can put like, it's just, you can literally make it however no, you want. That sounds amazing. But so the way that you eat it is egg, beans, aguacate, y queso.
0: Oh, that sounds so good. I love that. I love it. Also, tortilla con mantequilla is like my weakness. So for I grew up having them with corn tortillas. Oh my God. Like, and I don't eat that normally, but when I'm home with my family, I'm like, Oh, bring it. Like I'm making rice and beans. You got to do it. Right. You <laughs> have to have a tortilla, come on It's a whole thing. No, I love it. And I think it's interesting. You brought it up about like, not wanting to feel weak. Right. And I'm like, I want to separate these two things that like, just because I'm a professional doesn't mean I can't do things that I love like cooking. And sometimes, i don't love to clean but we do know how to do that very well
1: <laughs> oh, girl, i love cleaning that's so funny that's the one thing i love I'm like i'm ocd about it uh, too i'm okay. like oh my god no it's <laughs> because okay. it's so funny my mom and i cook in the kitchen we leave everything super clean mm. and my dad goes in and does his little like he Remoto. bakes it and like oh my god oh, amazing Un remolino. i'm like oh my, oh my god it's <laughs> i just feel like <laughs> like literally flour literally. everywhere
0: i'm like <laughs> that is so funny no, I love so, it. Yeah. And, but it makes me my family. Like you said, like, I mean, I, I don't love cleaning, but I don't like, I mean, I, I do it because I have to, but in this pandemic, I've found myself cleaning a whole lot more. I'm like, yeah, I'm I've washed so many dishes, but my mom, it, like, I know it makes her so happy when like I texted her. I was like, I'm going to organize my garage. And she, and like two hours later, she's like progress pick. Like she wanted to see, cause she was excited for me. I was like, I don't, this is not fun for me. Or like, um i started i had a, you know, just got down scrubbing my bathroom and stuff and i told her i was like i think you're right it is sort of meditative because she was trying to convince me she's she knows i'm into meditation and she's like mija cleaning can be very meditative and i was like that's not how you're gonna
1: sell it to me mom <laughs> i don't want to but honestly it is. honestly no. and then you put music on for me oh, it reminds holy. me of like growing up mm-hmm. Saturday morning semanas, like i can i otro, like that's again it's like little things like that yeah. really connect me to like yeah my culture you're not gonna forget it yeah, like Saturday
0: morning I'm like no gumbias are on Selena's on people mm-hmm. and then from my mom old school funk too so I think those are the things <laughs> oh, I love that the like part. <laughs> oh we get down our family parties are so lit oh my god there's so much but one day and everyone's like it. waiting <laughs> girl I will let you know you are more than invited I in know yeah. you can drive up so when it's safe you're invited my esteemed guest but um You know, I think uh, I think it's really a nuanced conversation, too, about like how do Latinas as women? And again, like you said, we're not I'm not trying to like overemphasize gender norms, but we also know what's very common for us. And I I used to resent it. Like, why do they just want us to get married and have kids? I was like, well, that's what they knew. That was the reality. Right. No one around them told them they could do more. Now we know we can and we are, which is great. Um, and props to those like I have a friend who's a badass lawyer who is a stay-at-home mom now. And she had to deal with like I had this whole career, went to law school, and I'm a stay-at-home mom, but it's like that's also beautiful. Like she's raising an
1: amazing little girl who's It's a whole job too. I like I I, I, like realized that with my mom, like you literally she was all these side hustles. She was doing like Mary Kay, Avon, Princess, like all the like all of it. All of it. And she was sewing, she was sewing and like making ropa and like they don't stop. She like She's a Capricorn. She was like mm. a businesswoman. Oh, like, that's her Capricorn energy. Yep, she's Capricorn the, energy. The she's like all about money. Show. And my dad gets so mad. He's like, re- "You always want to make a business out of something." <laughs> my mom's like, "You know, I can't." <laughs> no, I think
0: <laughs> it's it's so funny, right? These like um, these habits we learn from our families, and and then what we think is norm normal. So to you, having side hustles is probably not surprising at all because that's what your mom did. Um, anyway, so I think that you know, in whatever ways that we take what our parents have taught us and make it our own, I think it's like often we feel like we have to make a choice with the choose between a career and let's say a family or cooking authentic meals and i'm like no i think we can do it all i've learned though we may not do it all at once so i'm not gonna maybe make an authentic meal every single night every single week but i know that i can when it makes sense and i'm kind of remixing recipes like for example uh, my mom gave me the recipe i called her i was like just to make sure what's the recipe again for for mexican rice i'm trying to recreate in the instapot right and she says um tells me the recipe but it's Three fourths of a can of tomato sauce. And I was like, three fourths, that's so weird. What do you do with the last fourth? That just doesn't make sense to me. So I was like, you know what? Leche I'm like, I'm going to put it all in there, see what's, what. you know, how it works. I'm like, oh, turns out a whole can is just fine. So there also, I think, are things in our culture that like no one challenges. It's like, well, why do we do this? Why? Like, you know, I think our generation asks a lot more questions. Even in cooking for me, I'm like, turn or like they say, you have to toast the rice, because uh, it's puesta, how do you say it? Before making it. And mm-hmm. I was like, mm, I don't think it makes a big difference. So I did it without it. Turns out just fine. So I'm like, look, now I cut out. T- really? Uh, I cut out measurement. I cut out a step, and it tastes the same because my dad confirmed it. My dad knows. He knows his block. He, he knows his way around the block on quality of rice. So anyway, I just think that like how we can make it our own is beautiful. And being mm-hmm. from here, the idea, the, the culture of both, and reimagining what it looks like the, the food of the future or the culture of the future. Um, I think, yeah, I think we can do all that. And that's why we're so, that's also something that I really believe is like, we're so special as people because we're the past, present and future. Like we are retaining the past of our families. We're showing up day to day, doing our careers, doing things in a very different way. And we are literally the future. Like we're the fastest growing demographic. We are the most entrepreneurial, like we're kind of a big deal. (laughs) I I say, I see it's in our blood. Totally think it is like we've learned, you said your mom, hustling in 50,000 ways, that's amazing. Same, my my parents um, are the children of people who I think taught me, even if I didn't know them, about entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I just hear the stories now, I'm like, oh, of course I do this now, that makes total sense. It's in me, it's like I said, it's in
1: our blood. Yeah. And before we jump into your whole entrepreneurial background, which I think is just so inspiring. Again, it's like I want Latinas, Latinos, anybody listening to see themselves in your story and, you know, see you for who you are. Adversities and all. Right. Because I mean, one thing that I like just have so much appreciation for you now is learning about how you got so much, I guess, backlash. Right. For being a second generation and you know, it just makes me appreciate you so more, so much more for just not owning it, and being like, whatever. I'ma still own my culture. <laughs> yeah. Like-
0: well, thank you. I mean, and I don't speak about it often because it was, it was rough. Like, I'm not gonna lie. It was, it felt really unfair. I didn't understand it. Now I think I also, I can, I can't empathize. I can sympathize very differently now. Under, now seeing it's like, okay, this makes sense. I was other and you know, and I'm aware of the privileges I have that are different. And so I understand why, you know, that's not fair. It's not fair that where you're born or where you grew up should impact, you know, the schools you had access to or um, parents, how much support they can give you, things like that. So I understand in a very different way now, but at the time, I, you know, I, it didn't feel like something I was going to analyze and really understand the complexities of what that means and, and access and opportunities and, and whose families are afforded what and, you know, time and place matters yeah. and all that. But but at the time it just felt like mean. It just didn't feel fair. And I mean, I guess the the whatever part was me just knowing, I, I just had to I had to be very comfortable knowing who I am and knowing like, at the end of the day, I'm a I'm a brown curly haired nerd girl and my family's <laughs> Mexican. and like can't take that like you can't prove otherwise. you know, I'm like Spanish was my first language. Um, you know, I love rice and beans. Like, how else do I want me to? How you want me to to prove myself? And also, in college, ironically, I mean, you know, I grew up immersed in culture for sure. Um, big, just very close to my family as well. It's, I mean, that's part of it. That's that's why I was so proximate to culture. But they even laughed at the fact that they're like, "How'd you turn more brown at Harvard?" So I went to school there, and. <laughs> My whole life was not interested in ballet folklorico. What's the first thing I do? I joined the club in college. I'm dancing with the big dresses and the twirls. Um, I learned how to make uh, uh, tinga de pollo. We had like an orange chef competition. That's so my favorite. Tinga
1: well, de pollo? No yes. way. Can you make like, it? Are you bomb?
0: <laughs> I mean, I could try again. I had spent a minute, but my friend from San Diego taught me how to make that. And then and oh. then the other part, so, I, so i got to be like around other types of mexicans from different parts of the united states which was cool and the other part of it is like you know i left to college knowing how to dance to like cumbias and hip-hop like that's it like mexicans dance to cumbia and not going to put anybody down, but that it is what it is. It's a little cumbia stuff. that's it. I got to college and then my world was expanded of Latinidad. Like my my Colombian, Dominican, Puerto Rican friends taught me about bachata and salsa merengue. Now I love it all. So I came back and my family's like, quente it. Is like all of a sudden you're dancing. Quente <laughs> these- crez. <laughs> yeah, we're at, a, at my cousin's wedding. They played something that I love, some, um, and by the way, they didn't all grow up dancing the banda and stuff. So my dad said, introduced me to that once we went there. So anyway, so over the years, kind of acquiring more and more uh, cultural capital, if you will, in a beautiful way. And, um, I, we, and my cousin, my, my prima got married and I got really into some song. And my cousin's like, where did you learn how to dance like that? And then my other cousin's like, oh, you didn't hear? She went to she went to Colombia and took a weekend dance class. And it was like two years of dancing in a weekend. And I was like, oh, my, they're like hating for fun. I was like, whatever. I have friends who taught me and I love it. And so I I really when you ask like who am I at the very beginning, um, I gave the actual answer, right? Like I am I'm a Latina, I'm Mexican American, but I really feel a strong love and affinity for all the Latino cultures that I've been exposed to, even if they're not my own, like from where my family's from. And I think I think we're in a generation of of what I'd like to think of as like a pan Latina experience like i can't pretend to say i'm puerto rican or cuban or anything like that but i've traveled there and i have friends from there and they've blessed me like i know how to make congrina and our friend chris said that like yeah i've been kind of blessed by my cuban my cuban homies and and uh you know they were part of my familia and um like i love being mexican-american but i'm like i'm more like american latina across the board than i'm ever going to be mexican from mexico you know like for me like I love Nicki Jam and Maluma and J Balvin and all these artists that are not Mexican, but they're ours. You know, like that's that to me is familia, and I think that for many years, and we know this. A lot of people still identify a singular country of origin, and that's beautiful. I think that's great. I'm very proud to be Mexican, and like I know what that means. Meaning, there's particular music, there's particular flavors, things like that, but. I love that that gives us access sort of to connect on those touch points across like how many things that I say that you're like, Oh, my God, yes. And even if you know, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up eating yuca, but it's like, it's almost interchangeable, because the sazón is there, right? Like the heart is in it. And so the even sazon.
1: if that's what connects us all sazón. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's a sazón. And that's like, that is so that I mean, it's like literally that's the sauce, like, because even if you're from a different country, you and I can connect in a way that people from other countries of origin maybe wouldn't and in fact right now i just felt i felt an accent coming out as i'm speaking in english i'm like cuz you can i can connect <laughs> so it's a and i love it dale, I that, dale. that makes it special you know so um, anyway so i think it's beautiful and I, and i think that this is retweet
1: <laughs> retweet on everything i'm saying i love it i want to just echo that because i think being being latina latino in the united states or even just i think having access to these different cultures that live within latinidad Mm. girl like when i tell you every person i interview who whether wherever they're from cuba puerto rico from dominican Mm. republic from nicaragua i just feel so connected to them and we we just we can relate and at the end of the day wherever you come from like one, it's beautiful to learn about, I didn't know Mexico had so many, I knew Mexico was huge and there was so many different like nuances to wherever you were from, uh, but you explaining like, no, like my mom didn't grow up with that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's like, you yeah. know, and that was one of the things that stood out to me. is like, wherever, whatever country, like you're going to find differences in, mm-hmm. in communities. And for us to be exposed to that, I think like the older, you kind of said something that was really cool of like. The older you get, you're kinda like getting all these little puzzle pieces and you're kind of just yes. like in a way completing yourself. Like you're just like, Oh, oh totally. yes, like this is part of me. Like, like, this part it of was me. always
0: a part of me and I just understand it, or as well. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't know like like mariachi music, everyone knows mariachi music. It's from Mexico. Although when I went to Colombia and saw they love mariachi music, there's mariachi, they love mariachi. music. mariachi they love it right girl my
1: favorite novela growing up was called la hija del mariachi do you know that no but i love that you have a favorite novela a mariachi (laughs) no no it's it's so it's all related because it's in colombia and it's about this mexican guy who you know he was trying to run away from people who were chasing him federal agent we just you know novella and he lands he lands in this little like I don't even know what to call it, little, like, bar. And they were singing mariachi music and serving Mexican food. He was like, I'm in Colombia right now? Like, yeah. <laughs> what is and, you know, this? Like, your,
0: little, your cachito de de del hogar, like, a little piece of home somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. That's
1: and, awesome. like, I, that was my favorite novela. So it was just funny because I'm it. like, yeah, yeah, I've been learning yeah, that, that, like, like, Colombians love mariachi.
0: <laughs> and I think that's the beauty and the details, right? Like, I I could have just said what I was going to say, but I was like, oh, it relates to, like, oh, and this one time I was in Colombia and there's mariachi there too, because the real point I was saying was like, we know mariachi is from Mexico. And I was like, well, actually, it's from there, but it's appreciated in many other places. I have a Dominican friend who loves mariachi music, which is so funny. But um, <laughs> like stereotypically or kind of conventionally, people know mariachi music from Mexico. And I had no idea that my dad's side is from Jalisco, where it's really, really from, like the heart of a lot of mariachi music's from there. Um, I had no idea. So to your point of like, it was a part of me, it's a part of my, my cultural inheritance, if you will. And I, I didn't know that until um, God, Then I became obsessed with, like, Alejandro Fernandez. I'm a fan of Chente, mm-hmm. but his son, I, like, he did all the novela songs, so <laughs> many, so many of them. And um, yeah. I had a moment where, because in high school, so I went to a high school that was 93% Mexican. Like, everybody's brown. Mm-hmm. Everybody but i was in honors classes so they were very diverse and so you know kind of typical that there were fewer latinos in those classes unfortunately there were some though some latina friends i had and some latinos but we didn't connect about being latinos we were just nerds like that's what bonded us together <laughs> so i was in i was giving a friend a ride and i didn't we turned on my or i turned on my car she was in next to me and i forgot i was blasting alejandro fernandez on the way to school so it's super loud mariachi music and i was like oh my god sorry i was like embarrassed like it just seemed so extra it seemed like something that i really had only celebrated with my family and it didn't feel like something i shared with friends because we're the nerds and this didn't <laughs> come up and so anyway she's like you know this guy? i love this music and i was like what I, it just blew my mind i was like what do you mean you know this and it was the first time that i'd connected with a latina who was also in my you know my ap classes and and it was beautiful because it was like at the toward the end of high school even though i was like i was always in culture from my family standpoint but at school it was like you know i did i did um i was in honors and stuff but i did also do i did competitive culinary arts so from my culinary standpoint it was a oh, lot of latinos lot, Well, in my area Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was deep in cooking in fact i saw socially distance friends friend today we used to do competitions together so anyway so i had this interesting balance of like deep in culture with my family nerd at school but then all my extracurriculars were with the homies everybody else who you know may most of them didn't go on to college most of them pursued either like trade school or just got jobs and have been successful in that like the friend i saw he owns a taqueria super successful didn't go to college
1: and he's killing it he's doing really really well wait, super wait, proud wait, of him. I, need, I need to highlight this because you can be successful in any like success is not me one thing you can own right? a taqueria be happy be successful yes. just live a great life and that's absolutely not, i want to highlight that it yeah it's different for everybody it different
0: for everyone and even like what we dis- not only the path towards
1: success, if it's
0: college, if it's trade school, if it's just working really hard, working your way up or just, you know, whatever it looks like, but also how we define success, you know, because often it's like they got the fancy job. Often the fancy job people are miserable. So that yeah. to me is not success. Mm-hmm. I think right now um, we're, I think a lot of people are really reflecting on that right now. It's like if you're going to be home working from home day in and day out, are you doing something you actually care about? And uh, anyway, so I'm glad you pointed that out. And also people often think that because of where where I went to school, there's people who've shared it before that think oh then I must think that like you know that it's better or something like I have friends who went to other schools and they're super brilliant super talented I have friends who didn't go to any school and they're super brilliant and super talented this friend with the taqueria is legitimately and he knows it. he's one of my best advisors to my work like the corporate work the consulting work all the things I'm doing because he's just smart and where you went to school doesn't define that I think it, it definitely can sharpen certain skill sets, it can open doors, but you can also open those doors yourself. Doesn't mean it's easy. So I give credit to people who have to figure it out on their own, but yeah, he's killing it and he's super smart. And often, like before I do interviews, before I do different things, I'll call him like, okay, real quick, what are your thoughts on this? Or what do you know about this? Like pop culture stuff, like, what are people saying about this? And he's always on point. So anyway, so I I have such a range, I think, of people in my life who have gone the conventional success route, whether or not they're successful by their own terms, if they're happy or not, but they're, you know, there's the 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 ones that are super proud of themselves and were like oh my god you're amazing and you've you've broken the glass ceiling in so many ways and then there's people who went about it in a totally different way and they're living a good life so i'm i'm proud of the full range
1: mm-hmm, snaps to that i know we just went into a whole like this has been a whole cheese myth, the and cheese mitt. <laughs> Totally. And I, I really want to go into, you know, just have a little bit of time to go into that transition of you growing up with all these experiences, with all this culture, with you picking up the puzzle pieces of who you are and like your identity and how you how you show up in the world. What what was a transition either in college, you know, going to Harvard, which I just picked up on that you just mentioned? Oh, yeah. I didn't even <laughs> know you went to Harvard. I was like, oh. Okay. It's not a,
0: I mean they call it the H bomb, like it's subtle, it's whatever.
1: <laughs> it's whatever. But you know, you either you going to Harvard or Harvard and to what you're doing now. I want to know about that transition and all the things that you've been up to since and what you're focusing on now. And before yeah. we do, let's do a little sip of tequila because it's still sitting here. <laughs> I
0: know my, my cousin says hit it, don't babysit it. Salud! <laughs> I'm for yeah. report. Um and I'll I'll say something to kind of even just to articulate it even more. There are also people who just didn't grow up connected to culture, um, often not, by, not because of any of their own uh, choices or anything, who later learn to learn about the culture, then embrace the culture, and then kind of incorporate the culture, right? So that's a beautiful experience in and of itself. Um, I think that's amazing. At whatever stage in life, you can appreciate it. What I described might sound like that, but for me, what it really was is almost like, I was able to hold a mirror in front of myself and it became more and more refined. So I was able to actually, like, like, the puzzle pieces were always there and I was in it. I just didn't realize what things meant or how they interplayed, where it was so familiar to me. Like, you know, there was always Mariette music around me. I just didn't know that, like, that's from where my dad's family's from. Like, I didn't realize it was that connected. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you know, I grew up eating menudo all the time, but I didn't realize that, like, my mom's side doesn't really do menudo, they do pozole, you know, so, like, those nuances that I think as I got older, I could appreciate them more, I can almost, like, dissect them better, and then really appreciate them that much more, where it was like, I grew up with this from day one, but hadn't, you know, done the introspection almost, hadn't really had any comparison either, and especially when people made me feel, le- try to make me feel less than, when then I was like, wait a minute, because it all it could have gotten to me, it did for some time, it did get to me... Um, because I thought like, you know, it almost felt like they're not welcoming me into a community that I think is my own. I identify with it. So am I wrong? Is it, Did I miss a memo here that like, maybe I did, I'm didn't? i not supposed to, maybe my Latina card is revoked or I only have 50% of a card or whatever. And then I think just that process, even though it wasn't a positive one, it helped me really understand that like, no, this is who I am. And I love, I'm so grateful for the culture and the values that my parents have instilled in me and the fun and the beauty of it all. And now because I had to really reflect on that, almost measuring my own Latinidad, then I was like, oh, I've I've got it. Like, (laughs) not that, I don't care if someone does or doesn't, and you know, 50%, 100%, I think we're 200%. It helped me realize that there was a lot more, there was a lot there that I could be grateful for. And it helped helped me also appreciate home differently. It helped me appreciate holidays with my family. In fact, I'll give you a tiny anecdote. I studied abroad when I was in college, and it was in a global business program. So we visited different countries and most, like almost 80% of the students in the program were from the Midwest. And I was definitely the only Latina, one of a very few people of color. And so, you know, we became friends and we we're traveling together and so forth. And I asked them, it was the fall semester of my senior year. So I said, what are you guys looking forward to for Christmas when you get when we get back? Or, you know, holidays, di- different, you know, winter solstice holidays, whatever. And um because some, some folks were Christian, Catholic, Jewish, different things. And most of them said, um, you know, food, the, the ham, the turkey, gifts, and it was real simple. One friend, and then I was kind of like, that's it? like." I thought we were gonna have a really cool conversation about it, and it just seemed yeah. really easy. And I was like, "That's weird."
1: So then, right? Like, you know <laughs> I
0: was like, "Well, I was waiting for more." And then one guy goes, "Oh, what I love though is cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning. Like that's our our big tradition." And I was like, "Well, that's a good idea. I should make cinnamon rolls." But like, that's the big tradition. So, the- and I didn't want to judge it. I just thought like it just didn't go the way I thought the conversation was gonna go. I thought it was gonna be like you do this, I do this. We'll share about it. We'll connect over it. And it just, like I said, it seemed like a very short conversation. So then they asked me, well, what do you do for Christmas? And I was like, oh my God, well, we do posadas. We start with the Dia de la Virgen really on December 12th. Then we do the posadas, which is nine days of events, like evening parties growing up. We actually did like every different night was at a different home. And we, everyone prays together. You eat the food together. There's piñatas sometimes, there's goodie bags. Aguinaldo, I think they call it. And then Nochebuena, the, but the weekend before, on the 22nd, we always make tamales at my mom's house. We all get together or whoever's down to help make tamales. And then, you know, Nochebuena, we do gifts and we do, and like, uh, not gifts, we do a gift exchange because there's too many of us to give every single person a gift because we have a huge family. Mm-hmm. So I'm going on and on. And we make bizcochos and we might make champurrado and the ponches and like, and then, you know, Christmas day is like, whatever, P- as a kid, you know, maybe play with your toys if you got some. It was just like, it's low key open it at
1: midnight the day before. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, oh my, my family, they'd all go to midnight mass. So we do like gifts right before midnight, but you're right, mm-hmm. like right you know, late night gifts, um, the exchanges of the Padrino gifts or whatever. And then we would always just uh, switch to my dad's side. So we catch the end of the, uh, the holidays there. And anyway, it was just funny because at that moment as I was com- getting ready to come home, I thought again, I grew up with this i know this but never did i appreciate it until i could compare it to people who had no idea what that's like and i was like this is this is such a blessing there's so much richness there like i wouldn't trade that for the world so that's what yeah. helped me really reflect there are moments like that that helped me realize the richness that i had of a culture that um you know you can't you can't debate if it's real or not when you're in it and you can love it and it makes you feel like you're home
1: yeah. Oh my God, girl. Again, retweet to all the things you're saying. And one thing that I always, I always repeat this because my dad, he taught me this growing up and he, he reminded me of it like a couple years ago, but he said, nunca sabras a donde vas, si no sabes de donde vienes. Mm-hmm. Or I think it's flipped. Si no sabes de donde vienes, nunca sabras a donde vas. And mm-hmm. I think about that all the time. And that's why this time with them, I'm like, I value you guys so much because you are literally like my museum of honduran culture and you know and it's like beautiful to think about it that way because i'm like i want to do it justice i like the phrase people say
0: ordinary to you extraordinary to others and whether or not others see it that way i think for me it was like what i thought was ordinary turns out it's actually extraordinary and that's it's
1: beautiful Mm, girl we can just end it there (laughs) but (laughs) before before we close this conversation this very beautiful conversation what let, like tell us what you're up to now besides yeah. doing tequila <laughs> bomb tequila this is really good I'm like this I'm is dangerous for me I should be like I should. feeling it <laughs> so
0: I'm doing a number of things I guess as context you know, I did 10 years at Google and while I was there I had five roles I created four from scratch all based around the idea of Access was the word for me. Uh, how do I make sure that diverse communities, including ours, have access to technology in the U.S. specifically? So I was able to align my work with that mission, and so you know everything from working on the diversity team, doing business development, to even doing some LATAM work um, with the HR team in Latin America as an extension of what this means for the U.S. But um, Eventually founding the multicultural marketing team at Google and in that working across a number of product teams So helping them think through helping them understand why we matter why diverse communities are important to understand um, not only because I think if we want to reach everyone then it's important to reach us as part of everyone as well Like we I, I literally had meetings where people said we're trying to reach everyone I was like well, then you're not reaching us if you're not talking to us in this way So that's not everyone um, but also because from a business standpoint, it's just smart. Like I th- I never want to sell my community, but if the products and services can help our community, like small business tools or educational resources, Chromebooks for students, stuff like that, then why wouldn't I make sure that our community has access to that? Um, a Robin hood with Wi-Fi, sometimes sort of. So anyways, so <laughs> I was able to carve out a lot of different projects and most people are product specific. So they work on Gmail or they work on YouTube. So I was, what I like to think of as audience specific. And I had a lot of different projects across. Products and you know, if it was YouTube, some business tools, Google Play at the time, etc. And I share that because I did not think I'd do 10 years at any company. Um, Google was a place where I was able to navigate a lot of ambiguity, creating opportunities around this, um, carving out my lane, but doing a lot of different things. And that is really a good fit for my personality and the way my brain works. So I was diagnosed with ADHD about two years ago, I think three years ago now, and it made so much sense in my life of why like all the different projects and all the different things, and why for some time people made me feel crazy because they were like, just focus on one thing and do it well, and I was like, but I see how all these things interconnect, and even if they're different, at the end of the day, they all interweave, and so I share that because I realized that um, I wasn't ever gonna be able to fit the mold, and I made it work as long as I did, and I'm grateful for the opportunities there, but there was still a lot more I wanted to do, and I was like, at this point because I've been piloting projects all these roles I created at Google started as a project that I was able to pilot and then prove the concept and impact measuring everything showing results and then I was able to continue to build that up and I realized well I have a bunch of projects I've been piloting on the side of outside of Google it's time to give them more time love and attention so I decided to make the jump and focus on not only Alchemia so my family's organic tequila company I'm doing a lot of virtual tastings now working on expanding into different markets um, you know across the board, collaborating mostly with my dad. It's a family business. Um, my sister does different parts of it with my dad as well, but my dad and I are kind of the 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 partners in crime on this. And that's been really cool. And then weaving in, like for example, I'm getting hired to do tastings by university, like MBA programs where they want me to do a talk on entrepreneurship. And um, I've invested in some small businesses, so what does it look like to support them? What does it look like to be an entrepreneur and investor while talking about tequila? So that's pretty cool. I like the convergence of it all. Um, so to say what I, so I founded, I'm the CEO and founder of Element and & Company. And that to me is my umbrella for all the things I'm doing. And Element means a lot to me because I I really, I mean, my Instagram handle is in my Element and Element and & Company, all, both. It's, I think we do our best work, we live our best lives when we're in our Element. And I was trying to think of a phrase, I'm like, how do I say like When you're in flow, when you're really your full self, when you're in your Element, and I was like, wait, Element. I can spell it with my name in there, E-L-I-M-E-N-T. So that's sort of like the ethos and the mission for like, I. I want to make sure I'm always doing work in my element and that I'm working with people leveraging their their superpowers what makes their unique elements special and I say we create cultural chemistry because all of its focused around that so I do a number of things so um, I have um, venture studios so that's where I either coach collaborate with uh, consult and often invest in small businesses and startups so everything from working with them on their marketing efforts to PR product development. Um, I've had a couple of startups think of me almost like they think of me as like their short term because I I try to keep it in short term stints because I'm like, I'm not joining your company full time. I like to help activate catalyze and design the strategy. So they think of me as like almost like rent a CMO or even a CTO. And I'm like, I don't code but I know how to do product development. And I love that. And I want to make sure I'm working on helping founders, startup founders and small businesses make their vision come true. And I like to help amplify that help them think even bigger and how to piece the puzzle together if they're missing any parts to it. So that's been really cool. Um, I opened a wellness center that is, you know, looks different in the COVID pandemic uh, context than I anticipated, but it's been awesome. It's where I have my design studio, but there's an acupuncture, there's two acupuncturists there, a chiropractor Uh, in the future. Once things open up more, we'll have, the goal was to have meditation classes and my studio is going to be in the future the yoga studio i love doing yoga so movement yoga is something i made up which is yoga to reggaeton and i'm a big that's fan that's exactly of it. what i imagined it's a thing <laughs> i made it up so yeah it's a thing now i've done i've taught classes on the beach and i do them online sometimes yeah. Girl, so to, I need to go
1: to LA just for this.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. I'd love that. Um, so, yeah. So, I think, you know, the big thing for me is uh, making sure that if, if I have experience, connections, resources that can help some businesses and startups, I want to help them on their journey. It, it makes me really happy. Um, other things. So, I started Latina Who Brunch, and we definitely have to do some collabs there. So, that's been awesome. It was something I created because I needed to. I, I literally was heartbroken. I wanted to feel supported in community. And I reached out to some badass Latinas for brunch. I brought them together and I said, one day I want to start Latinas Who Brunch. And then I realized this was it. This is the little prototype of sorts. And so I was like, this is it. Like I asked them all to meet. They don't know each other. By the end, they're all friends. And and we shared so beautifully. Like I told them, you know, the, the rough things I was going through and the highs. And I asked everyone to share Comfortably both like I want us to be able to cheer each other on. I think we have to and also not being afraid to share the vulnerable stuff because that's sometimes also inspiring to hear what people are going through. So in the way I did that event, I asked people to share. Who are you today? What do you need and what can you offer? And they all did. and It was beautiful. And that became like the template for every event we've ever done. So we have in so let's see, right before the pandemic hit, it was our it would have been our two year anniversary and we would have celebrated. We celebrated online differently, but we have in multiple chapters per state but we're in 17 states and it's grown organically where people have been you know reaching out and we even create an application process for people to apply to host them locally always at latino latino restaurants and cafes with small business sponsors with in places where you know that they want to share their their craft their product uh it's allowed us to be like a megaphone to support them and that's been awesome because that now has translated into like our phoenix chapter for example people literally cried at this holiday event we had saying that their side hustle became their full-time job because we promoted them they got sales from places like places they would never even been to people were ordering and wanting to support and so that was really beautiful to me that we can not only convene people it ends up feeling like group therapy but uplifting each other you know and how do we help lift each other up through all of it so so now we're doing online workshops we did like writing workshop we have a money moves workshop coming up so a lot of content going on there and um i'm producing now my podcast i'm shifting it from me stream of consciousness now interviewing people um but also incubating two other podcasts, friends podcast friends podcasts where we have basically like how do we streamline create like turnkey solutions in terms of creating our process for how to record edit push it out do the marketing do the partnerships and sponsorships all that like packaging it up so that it's like if we can help more people share their voices and put them through almost like the the process of the Element Studios process and having them be a part of that. So we can just make it easier for more people to share their magic. So that's probably, I mean, that's probably the most of summary. I do talks for corporations. I get hired, I've done Verizon. I have Capital One coming up, different companies. So it's just a mashup of things and I love it. And and also still consulting companies on how to do multicultural marketing. So for me, it's it's the three C's. It's community, content, commerce, all wrapped around through the
1: lens and with the abrazo of culture girl we're gonna have to talk after you are so inspiring (laughs) so inspiring and i want to i want to close this first of all just thank you for just sharing your story for being so authentic being you being real i think we need more latinas more people out there just showing up as your full selves and really inspiring like you know inspiring us to continue being ourselves and the beautiful cultures that we represent so thanks to you girl snaps and I want to close this conversation with a virtual brindis okay with our tequilita yes and what I like doing here is giving you a chance to to manifest some good for our community so what do you want to cheers to and what do you want to manifest
0: I'm going to give a cheers to I'm thinking about I want to be thoughtful um We've talked about it a lot this time, so I'll have the, the 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 who I'm dedicating this to is one thing, but the the wish for us is for everyone. I want to give a shout out to the chingonas, the latinas, the badass latinas, who if there are moms, if there are amigas, vecinas, the people who just are so strong and resilient and powerful, and I want them to feel seen, and I want them to believe that everything they're doing matters, and so I just want to give a shout out and con mucho mucho amor to them because that's our sisters, that's our moms, that's our Tia's. And I want I want them to always feel respected and supported and propelled to whatever the next level is for them. So I'll, I'll, that's to them. And related to that, what I want to manifest is for our community, everyone in it, and, and anyone listening, even if they're not of the community, just people, but especially of our community though, because I know this is a challenge for us. I want people to feel strong enough and brave enough to overcome their own limiting beliefs and we all have them. It happens to me too, every now and then. I also have self-doubt creep in or, or you know, the things we've, we've learned through conditioning that we think is something that is, like fear being false evidence appearing real, you know? I think that people underestimate what they can do and I think we we literally are limitless, we can do anything. And So if more people can believe that, I hope to help people manifest whatever that means for them, their dreams come true, I hope that that happens every day mm,
1: cheers amigas
0: Salud. Salud, Salud. Salud.
1: we're gonna make, Salud. gonna make it happen i'm gonna really drink this because it's so bomb <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm really drinking mine by the way to make sure people know what we're enjoying thank you so much for supporting we are both right now having and i have the bottle next to me if you use the video later they can see it if not you hear me saying it This is Tequila Alquimia. My family is organic, all natural tequila. It is 100% organic, USA certified, and we're drinking the Añejo, which is aged for almost three years. And by the way, this is special to us, not only because it's really good, and it's actually, it's been recognized as the best tequila in the world by Business Insider. It has won over 60 gold medals in the two largest international spirits competitions, which actually is more than any other tequila company in the world, and it is one of the few Mexican owned and operated tequila companies that exist. Uh, being that it's mm-hmm. a product that's made in Mexico, that means a lot to us. And we're a social impact brand, so we contribute 20% of our sales to causes that matter to us. Some education, supporting farm workers, Black Lives Matter. It's our vehicle to make impact in the world. We call it alchemy for impact because it's alquimia and this is our liquid gold.
1: Dun dun. <laughs> dun dun. <laughs> that that is so timely i don't even want to go into Mm. this topic but i'm glad we had a little (laughs) yeah like we're like let's talk about culture let's talk about important Mm -hmm. things but Mm -hmm. this is a great it's a great reminder for everybody that there are latinos who own tequila brands and you know alquimia is out there leukemias out there and y'all can buy wherever
0: yeah, yeah follow us on instagram <laughs> link and bio if you want to support but uh, we're on the internet and um, you know any and we appreciate all the support all the love so thank you to everyone listening thank you Malalis, for picking up a bottle and having it live with me that's awesome
1: yeah gracias gracias amiga thank you so much yeah. for being here I don't know about you, but I hope that my daughter comes out just like Eliana. Big thank you for sharing your story, Eliana. Thank you for sharing this space with me, for being vulnerable, for being you, for being just the most authentic version of you on and off this recording. Thank you to everyone listening. Big hugs. Thank you for always supporting this podcast and continue sharing it every week and amplifying our voices. I don't know what I do without you. If you're open to it or called to it, please leave a comment under if you are on Apple Podcasts leave a comment. Let me know what you think or review. Um, That would be super clutch and I'd appreciate it so much. Or also, I did not mean to rhyme there, but (laughs) keep sharing your words with me, even if you don't want to share it in a review. I love the DMs. I love the messages. Keep sharing what you think, who you want to hear from or any stories that spoke to you. See y'all next week for more cafecito enchisme. Connect with me on Instagram at Old Jasmine 4As, Twitter at Odalis Jasmine, and find me on LinkedIn. My website's also out there and available to you at odalisjasmine.com. Con mucho amor, amigo Stick around to hear from my sponsor and partner, Chris Gates, co founder of Rise on. And P.S., go get yourself some tequila alquimia. Follow this girl, Eliana, on Instagram everywhere. Follow her at Latinas Who Brands. She is just look up Eliana Murillo and you will find her everywhere. Highly recommend following her, hearing her story, hearing what she has to say.
2: Mi gente, what's up? This is Chris Gates. I had the pleasure of being Odalis's guest in the Cuba through my eyes episode of this amazing podcast today. I want to invite you to a free month's membership to my startup rise On. founded by two first gen Latinos rise On is like taking a Zumba class for your mental and emotional health. Our mission is to build humans from the inside out and we help first gen folks just like you to grow and to heal. So whether you're struggling with life's challenges or just thirsty for a community to help you grow, Rise On is for you. Every week we create a space for mindful introspection in community. That's what you get when you mix mindfulness, journaling, coaching, and vulnerable conversations. It's a space to be seen authentically, to develop self-awareness and build inner skills alongside a group of inspiring peers. Our goal is to help you to tap into your own power consistently to find perspective, clarity, and direction anytime you need it. Over the past two years, we've designed hundreds of experiences for our clients to do just this. These are entrepreneurs and young professionals who trace their roots to some 20 countries. Folks who, despite being brilliantly talented and looking like they got it all together from the outside are working through some real life challenges. So join us. We'd like to invite every listener of this podcast to experience a Rise on membership for free for an entire month. That includes our weekly Rise On sessions, live and online, plus on-demand mindfulness content and daily community support. To activate your free month Rise on membership, visit www.riseon.life. That's R-I-S-O-N dot L-I-F-E. Rise dot life. Mi gente, let's rise on.